Hey everyone, welcome to the Rice People podcast. On this show, we talk to the innovators, creators, and thinkers doing some of the most interesting things in Asia. I'm Adil, and this is Wong Lei. We dive into their journeys, learn how they think, and cover why they're doing what they're doing. We hope to provide you the inspiration and insights you need to forge your own journey. You can access all our podcasts, including edited transcripts, show notes, and other resources to keep learning at ricepeoplepodcast.com. Our guest this week is Sean Lowe, the co-founder of the healthcare brands Noah and Zoe, both of which were launched in the midst of the COVID pandemic. The two brands respectively help men and women to get access to male or female-specific healthcare advice and treatment and so much more. Be it for ED, PE, mental health, acne, or even birth control, the company has solutions and medical professionals ready to help. Having seen some of their viral ads on social media, we thought that we could have a fun and interesting conversation. You can find all things Noah and Zoe at offnoah.com and offzoe.com respectively. All the links will also be in the show notes. Here's our conversation with Sean. Yeah, just to get things rolling, maybe not everyone may know what Noah is uh, since mm-hmm. it's still quite a young brand, right? Maybe you could just give us a quick sketch of Noah and what it offers uh, its customers? Yeah, of course. Um, Noah is Singapore's first digital health clinic for men. So we, when we started, we, you know, we started with erectile dysfunction. It's a very prevalent condition that not <laughs> a lot of people want to talk about. You know, we since kind of cover a full spectrum of men's health conditions now. We do sexual health. Um, we moved into mental health. So we provide one-on-one therapy with in- clinical psychologists. Um, we started tackling addiction with nicotine withdrawal treatments for smoking cessation. And we also provide aesthetic and, and skin treatments. So for hair loss for men and also like prescription for acne. So we cover the full spectrum. And um, in, in the recent months, we also launched Zoe. So Zoe is our female health platform. We realized that, uh, no shape, but we realized that there are a lot of female health platforms that were <laughs> focused um, solely on female sexual health, right? And... You know, for us, our, our point of view is that women's health is a lot more than birth control and, and emergency mm-hmm. contraception, right? It's, it's, it's your whole body, it's your full body. So um, we want to create a holistic platform that supported the, the, the full female health. So that's what Zoe is really about as well. Zoe is recently launched only, is it? Like it's... one and a half months. It's super oh, new. Oh, nice. Wait, yeah. how do you come up with these names actually? Okay, so like why Zoe? Why Noah? <laughs> Noah is interesting, right? I mean, when we started, we wanted a name that felt very personable, that felt common enough. Um, and I think anyone who started something, or at least tried to create something, you know that naming is just one of the hardest thing ever, right? I'm sure even even you guys come from your podcast name, you're like, what do I name the thing? Right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Coming up with the idea is even easier than the name. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so for us, you know, we. We, we struggled at the start, but we were very clear that we wanted a name that's personable because these are all conditions that a lot of men face, right? Mm-hmm. So we didn't want any, like, something too sterile or clinical. I think when it comes to medical, you got a lot of, like, dogs, right? Uh, like, just everything with some dog inside, right? <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> like, everything with a white color. You know? Like, we're like, that's so boring. So, um, we googled top male names of 2019. <laughs> 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 Noah was the first... So wow, like, really? Let's just call it Noah. Oh my god. Yeah, and then <laughs> with Zoe was uh, it was also um the same process. <laughs> we knew under a female name. So 
<laughs> we started this year, so we searched top female names of 2020. Um, then top five and Zoe was one of them, was number three. <laughs> so oh my like, god. Wow. Oh. Wow. What, yeah. what, what was number one? Do you remember? Uh, number one was Emma. Emma was actually my favorite, but then Emma. Um, Emma, the URL was taken. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the team was like, Zoe, okay, then okay, Zoe. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Zoe's very nice. Like, yeah, yeah, but somehow the the name seemed to fit you guys very well. Like, like even without knowing the, the backstory, it has the right feel yeah. for the kind of thing that you're trying to do, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we, yeah. we, we lucked out on that. Um, But also, I think we wanted nothing too medical, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. then, you know, you create, there's so many already that's all there that's all sounds medical and I think it always I think naming is part of the first branding thing where you know it comes in and then you know you some talk some you know I'm not gonna go into that but you know like <laughs> I say it all the time right like and then <laughs> yeah people yeah, instantly yeah. have that perception of, of of what you're offering and you know it's gonna be like sterile and you know very definitely, cool definitely. yeah and and yeah we'd love to understand know more about the origin story of Noah right like what triggered you to start this company because I guess in normal day-to-day life and as a very young man yourself like usually these are things we don't talk about or think about mm. so much so you know what made you decide to start this company yeah I think I think at the start okay I'm just going to be frank I said this I also said this to Shreds time so I think it's going to mm-hmm. be on newspaper anyway <laughs> so there's just one time right that I just didn't get as high as I wanted to get mm-hmm. right and then as a 25 year old you are like like Okay, I'm not sure. Okay, I don't think you can swear, but like, what what in the world is going on? You know, <laughs> like, what in the world is going on? Right, you're like, 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 you never expect this to ever happen. So I did what every millennial would do. Um, I asked Doctor Google, right? Um, and I went down this whole rabbit hole of searching. And you know, the thing about Google is, after you search more and more, you become so convinced that you actually yep. have the condition <laughs> over time, yeah, right? Yeah. It's just thing like you go down this whole rabbit hole of like, you know, and. After a while, I became, it's this whole one week ordeal, right? Let me be mm-hmm. honest. And like my, my girlfriend was actually really supportive. She's like, oh, no, but I was going through this whole idea and I was just searching and I like, certain treatment options, what clinic to go. I was back in Singapore for Chinese New Year, right? The whole kind of, like, you know, you can just imagine. So, number one, the treatment's not cheap, mm-hmm. right? And obviously, number two, is quite embarrassing to go to a clinic, right? And be like, hey, I need, I got, you know, <laughs> my thing's not working. So, before I committed that, that, that time and the effort, I, I just like, okay, I asked a friend who's a doctor that I knew in Melbourne, mm-hmm. right? Um, Singaporean guy, it's like, hey, you know, like, I experienced this. Is this normal? My brother's actually a doctor, but obviously I'm not going to ask my brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that asked, so I asked a friend and then he was like, hey, you know, this is actually very common, right? As if for men, sometimes, like, it just happens, like, you know, you know, for, for you to get, actually get ED, it's actually recurring, right? It's consistent. Mm. But for men, sometimes, like, tiredness, stress, changing position 30 times, you know, like, just lose the mood. You just doesn't get as hard, lah, right? So, for me, it's like a breath of fresh air. <laughs> I thought, you know, I had ED, right, the whole time, right? And then, actually, it's not. It's actually very normal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but the, the whole thing left quite a big impression on me, right? So, for me, it, it made two things pretty clear. Um, the first of which is if given my knowledge back then and you know my experiences that I had, if I had ED, there's no way I go see a doctor. No freaking way, right? Number two, right? I think men as men, we just know so little about our health, 
right, and common conditions that affect us, mm. right? I mean, it's very, it's very clear, like, women's different, like, women since young, like, you are engaged with the healthcare system much earlier. You're taking birth control pills, or so for some, you got HPV jabs, you have check out. Guys, like, we don't care about health, then you hit the yeah, balding, yeah. AD, everything come out, you so many patients, like, oh no, like, you know, like, just got married, now ED, BE, oh, everything no. come out, like, help me, you know, so... Right, so we know so little, right? And then, so for us, we, like, I, I guess we really saw this gap, right? Um, and I was having a chat with a friend as well, a really close friend. I was like, yeah, I went through this thing, right? Like, you know, like, obviously, like, one month after this, I like, went through this thing, it's freaking crazy, you know? Like, I just shared with a very close friend. They said, like, hey, actually, when we were in Bali, I started having hair loss, and you were the first guy that ever pointed out that I had loss. <laughs> and me, <laughs> I was like, I don't remember. So, then he said he went on this like, obviously y'all know the usual suspects, right? Like, you know, like a few thousand dollar packages, yep. like Chinese, you know, like, then, you know, try to upsell him. Then he said, he felt he was a very bad experience, right? Because it's like 18 year old boy, like self-confidence damage, starting to bond, like freaking stress, $5,000 package in his face, like, you know, um, right? And... So yeah, this really bad experience. This really bad experience. We like okay, like we need to do something about this. So so uh, for me, that's sort of the gap that we that we saw, and that's how we really started. So long winded short, I think it was it was personal experiences that was quite unsavory or quite traumatic at the start that <laughs> led us to this. And yeah, but, and but then, those those are the best kind of problems to solve, right? If it, it's yeah, something and, and you then, experience yourself. Exactly. Then we we did more research, and we were like, this this is huge. Like ED mm-hmm. is like you no know, people don't talk about it, but you know fifty one point three percent of men in their thirties in Singapore mm-hmm. experience ED. The stats That's a high percentage. globally, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, in America, it's fifty two percent, right? So you know one percent higher. <laughs> the agents difference fangs slightly better, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know generally these are huge problems, but you don't hear anyone talking about it, right? But it's mm-hmm. like genuinely because of two reasons. I think the first of which is you got machismo. I'm just like you know kind of mm-hmm. going here, but. You got machismo, right? Like male ego. Yep. I mean, like your erections is just linked to your manhood. You know, <laughs> like I mean, it's just nowhere, right? That's not working. These things down. You know, like you're just right. And then secondly, your second thing is just shame, right? Especially when you're younger, like you know, it is it's so common. I think when you're older and you know, like a lot of people around you are having it, you're like, okay, this this just life, right? But when you're younger, you, can, you just cannot accept, you know, you just, yeah, yeah. and you got shame and then you're not going to seek treatment. So, you know, so I think essentially that's, these are the two things that we're actually solving more than just healthcare in general. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we'd love to understand more about like, you know, when you went through that, that research process, like, I, yeah. I guess, I, I don't think you have any clinical or medical background, right? So like, what, what gave you this uh, entire confidence to meet this unmet need right and like how did you validate that this idea was something to solve and do you do like speak to people and yeah. experts and stuff like that i mean for sure so i think for me my background has always been in startups i started mm-hmm. my first startup when i was 18 we started like it was an like improvement on kickstarter right yeah but then yeah. i realized after launching that singaporeans just don't really care about people's <laughs> ideas, you know, like, fuel my dream, don't give a shit, right? So, that's sort of like my first experience. We, in we all want to be on Kickstarter, but not contribute to other people's Kickstarter. Exactly, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? That's just the, crowdsourcing has just not really worked well. Like, you just think about it. Is there a GoFundMe in Singapore? I don't think that's going to work, man. Right? That's, yeah. right, so, um, 
So, I mean, that's just kind of my first foray into entrepreneurship. Since then, I've always been in product and in design, you know, in, in like this whole role. Um, so for me, my interest has always been healthcare because it's one of these like big areas that I think as society grows, it's just going to happen, yeah. right? I mean, I... I, I refuse to do the seven years to be a doctor and I don't think I have the capability <laughs> to be a doctor as well. So for me, it's always, it's always been ways that I can look in how can I get involved into healthcare, in healthcare, right? Um, when the whole chatbot craze came out, you know, a friend and I mm. built a, a chatbot. Uh, we call it Chen Zi after the Pokemon, you know, to oh. like, answer like questions. <laughs> oh, know, shit. Uh, good name, good name. <laughs> yeah, right? L- so Lucky uh, no uh, copyright yeah. issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we, that's why we now launched it. But <laughs> like, we built a chatbot to kind of test, you know, primary care, how to diagnose. So mm. it's always been something that I've been experimenting with. So with this personal experience, it felt like a great impetus to be like, okay, let's kind of, like, there's a reason why I'm doing something, right? Not just interest mm. now. It's like, I feel a personal pain point as well. Um, and for us, the first thing that we did was to, was to talk to a lot of doctors and a lot of patients. We talked about 30 GPs. So... Wow. Your question about you know validating, I think, um, not just the medical research about how many men, but personal experiences, but some, even more men that you know sometimes we talk to. I think it's very clear like, that there's this issue, right? Um, you know, um, secondly, when I talk to GPs, you know, we talked about thirty GPs, and you know, when we first asked them about PE premature ejaculation, about half of them said they have never treated someone with PE before, right? So anecdotal, I mean, this like our own research, right? But it was quite surprising because. Um, these aren't like junior doctors, these aren't doctors like in training, these are like people, you know, working in clinics. And you know, the the research in 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 Singapore, um in the Singapore Medical Journal states about a third of men suffer from PE. But I got half of the GPs that we just interviewed and, and randomly interviewed say that they have never treated. So why is this disparity between, you know, GPs saying that, you know, some there are people that ask like, oh, PE is, you know, it's just not a problem that it's, it's just that big, you know, like it's, it's going to be very, very small. So, and, and, and for us, we see this disparity and it's, it's, it's just this difference between the existing service model and the needs of the patient, right? So for us, it's, it's very clear from day one that there's just this shit. massive gap, right? That, yeah, shit. That's it's just like, not they see disparity, but you see opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, because it, it's just, you just think about it as a guy yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, let's say you got PE, like, Yo, are you going to go to the toilet? How are you going to have the conversation? <laughs> like, just think about it. Just like, uh, how are you going to start the convo, right? Like, um, it's just too fast, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, Actually, like, yeah. PE and ED, I'm not sure you guys know, but they're called, like, mm. by-the-way conditions. Mm. So, oh, essentially, what, what, what does that mean? Yeah. yeah, so you go to a doctor, right, for a fever, cough, flu. Right? You go there mm-hmm. for anything. They hit the door, right? Turn around. By the way, I have ED. <laughs> you know, then you're deaf for the whole time. Really, really in the car, by the way, right? And, you know, something that we coin is, is what we call the receptionist problem, which a lot of our patients tell us, right? It does, so, doctor room is fine. I mean, you're embarrassed, but at least close door, right? The mm-hmm. worst is you, you hit the... Once you're outside, right? Adieu, your Viagra. <laughs> Adieu, Viagra. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Okay, okay. I get the problem now. <laughs> Your face is just like drawn yeah. in the gutter, right? Like, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, and then sometimes like, uncle, don't take too much. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> you hear stories again and again and again. And for us, it's just like, okay, like, and 
I guess we take a very agile approach at the start. I mean, we went from idea to launch in six weeks, right? Because we wanted to validate it. I mean, we had all this anecdotal evidence. We have all this research, qual research that we've done. We have quan research to back up. But we're like, okay, let's fail fast, learn fast. So we went, what's the shortest way to launching a product? So we took six weeks to get our first patient and we just iterate along the way. Mm-hmm. Back in the early days, it was scrappy. Like, we didn't have delivery services. Real. It's all the same thing that you hear, right? All the poor grain, doing things that don't scale. But it's, it's the thing, like, you know, I... Like we were delivering parcels ourselves. Mm. Like three AM, someone asked me about questions on like live chat. You know, I got erection from. I'll answer your question for you. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, can, can, can you tell us more about more about that? What what was that early product? Right, like, I'm so the, interested in. Yeah, yeah. What, I mean, what was that MVP? Yeah, yeah, the MVP. One, one day I released like, I mean, it, it doesn't look nice. It doesn't look like now. I mean, it was, it was bad like, I mean, if I show my designs now, they'll cringe. But like, you know, <laughs> it was it was really just like. Straight up, what we sold, which was just idiot. Back then, mm. we only had one medication that we carried. Um, we only had one condition that we treated, and it it was it was just us being there, uh, with live customer support chat and just answering queries. You know, back then actually a lot of the questions weren't so much about the product or mm-hmm. the service, the telemedicine service. It's actually about our legitimacy. So a lot of people were like, are you guys legit? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like so with the call, right? I'll be like, okay, they're like, um. Are you guys legit? They ask on the chat. We're like, yes, we are. Then how can you prove? Then we give Akra number. And they're like, oh, but just registered. <laughs> then we're like, no, but we're real. <laughs> oh, they even went <laughs> to check. <laughs> As a king. Then, then they'll be like, then MOH back then didn't have any like directory for telemedicine, right? So it was nothing. Right? Then they're like, oh, the sandbox don't have you guys inside. Then we're like, but, but we they were legit. Our doctors are real. Then it was this whole back and forth that sometimes takes like 15 minutes. And then we ask them like, hey, give us your number to call. Then they were scared. Mm-hmm. Then they'd be like, you give me your number. <laughs> then we like, okay, okay, we'll give you our number. <laughs> and then they give us a number, which is quite weird. Because sometimes they die they die with their caller ID blocking. So when oh, they yeah, call yeah, us, yeah, we yeah, got yeah. their number. Okay, but anyway, they'll call us. And then I'll just spend half an hour, 45 minutes, right? Just on the phone convincing them. We're like, trust us. Trust us. Like, we're real. And, and you know, but over time, you know, like, we, we started getting reviews coming in. Um, obviously, we brought on two rare senior medical advisors who were, you know, pretty well known in this space, like Dr. Peter Lim, Dr. David mm-hmm. Do. So, Dr. Peter Lim, he's the founder of the Men's Health Society in Singapore. And then, Dr. David Lowe is the president of the Aesthetic Society. So, you know, when we had, they really helped us to like, kind of, our kind of credibility but also vet our medical process so i think that that kind of built more trust and then over time you know like with with us getting the news we you know we got more and more and more we learn um then i think we kind of built the cred over time now we don't really get the question anymore but back then it was just (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. must have been fun that's really cool yeah i would i would have thought that like to start a medical startup you will take years but the fact that you took six weeks, does that mean then there's like there are a lot less certification that's required to start a healthcare startup than I, what I okay, originally I think thought? Six weeks is like uh, we we I work like about twenty two hours a day <laughs> for like twenty hours a day or something. Like I I I work Monday to Sunday. <laughs> like it was it was brutal. The six week was the most brutal. <laughs> like I, after that I had to like you know rest. But six week was just it was the toughest because. It was just insane. Like we, we just want to get it out as fast as possible, and everyone's working like it's not sustainable, right? Um, mm-hmm. but you know, but <clears throat> we from day one, the first thing that we did, even before we did write any line of code, did a single design, was to reach out to MOH and be like, "Hey, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> Can we do it first? Not don't waste time, right? <laughs> like if we if MOH cannot, then you know, like let's drop this. So we engaged them very early on. So 
even now recently CNA asked us this question you know like there's this new certification like approval to get on listed on MOH mm-hmm. um, we all work the process like and for us it's, I would say it's been pretty smooth because we have MB engaging the team for like the past 10 months right so even when there's no clear regulation or no like there's no the HAXA is not out yet the new healthcare services act is only out mm-hmm. next year so even though there's nothing right now like you no know, we work with them closely to to work you know every month we have calls with them we just want to ensure so so when the time comes to actually apply it's smooth lah, rather than you know yeah going through of that but were there any like like yeah. other licenses or or you know i i'm not sure like in terms of the medical space that you have to get to to provide medical advice as well as sell medication yeah i, I think for us is we, we had to go through the there's a telemedicine training there's there's quite a lot of things that we had to 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 get through ourselves um we need to read out a lot of hsa stuff also i mean because you're dealing with medication right, our whole team and with pdpa you know you need all these different data stuff then we need to get our doctors our doctors need to get the telemedicine stuff <clears throat> you know and all of that lah. but we are very fortunate to have a very core group of doctors from day one mm-hmm. who have been with us since day one we have zero attrition for our doctors like um actually we only been at we have like now eight eight doctors on our panel we have four clinical psychologists and like the the early people was like for I think it's still with us like all of them right so I, I think that's testament to you know like really just I would say thank god you know we lucked out a bit we managed to find really really good doctors who believe in us from day one <laughs> like, I don't yeah, think yeah. you know I would just say this really like lucky right uh, who are very good at what they do and at the same time truly believed in in what we were doing and they stay with us right they, they seen us through shitty websites they have not worked <laughs> like, to, like all the way like now even now sometimes you're like oh no this part yeah i wish can be better but they have been so patient they have just really guided us through and we rely a lot on them right for all the medical things back then we relied a lot on them medical advisors doctors to, to tell us what to do first time i'll share the first time a patient inquiry come in like can i take this medicine i didn't know how to answer i mean like I'm not a doctor. I had to ask a doctor. The doctor type out a reply, copy and paste in the chat. Wow. <laughs> right. I mean, like, then I had to kind of learn and ask, like, what can we, what can we say in a live chat? What can we not say? So a lot mm-hmm. of things that we, you know, kind of learn and they were guiding us along the way. So, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. You know, I had like experiences talking to my um doctor friends, and in general, I feel like they are not so open to new technology like telemedicine or using AI in the surgery rooms and etc. Yeah. So like were there challenges when you're trying to first engage your first group of doctors? Um I, I would say like in the in the early days, like the first few that we got, we were, we were like I said, we we were lucky in the sense that we the people that we spoke to, I mean there were some that rejected us, you know, they're just like, mm-hmm. oh easy, you know, maybe it's not the right fit for me. But those that we spoke with they committed and they, they ran with us. But I think I don't my, my POV on on telemedicine is that it's generally here to stay. Right? Um just like how you know like I'm not sure if you remember but back then, you know, when Uber first launched, I think you had a lot of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like very against Uber. Right. But fast forward yeah. a couple of years, you know. So I really think that the right, I really think that the future of healthcare has to be tech enabled. Right. Um I am I recently spoke to a to a doctor and they're telling me that actually in the history doctors used to go to visit patients in their homes. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, over time it became more of a business and people go to them, right? It became a centralized area. But then now with technology, you know, doctors are going to patients' homes again, but in a different modality, right? Yeah, using technology. So it's sort of this full circle that's coming in. Um and, and I think telemedicine tech 
techniques here to stay. Right? I can't speak about like, surgery, but I can think about telemedicine. And, you know, I think COVID has really has been a tailwind for telemedicine industry on the whole. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that it has accelerated the adoption of telemedicine. Previously, telemedicine was struggling a lot for legitimacy and efficacy. People were, you know, can, you know, can I really see a doctor online? But tele, but COVID made, like, there's no other choice, right? There's no other choice. Forced adoption. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Forced adoption. And, and, and the great thing is it has proven that it can work, right? In a lot of cases, it can work, right? Um, you know, there's some cases that you have do have to, like, if you need a blood test, things you need to expect, like gyne, you have to go and you have to go. But in, in most broad cases, it does work. And it's great. I think now, like, telemedicine is no longer seeking legitimacy, seeking, you know, like, trying to prove itself. I think now it's like, okay, it's, it's becoming more of a mainstay. I think more and more Singaporeans are open to be like, okay. Now, yeah, I mean, yeah. for me, if I can see a doctor, choose one. I don't want to go down, right? I mean, definitely. So definitely. <laughs> yeah. Like, so... Yeah, I think definitely is here to stay. Like, I, I think yeah. doctors will have to adapt. Um, MOH is pushing that. I think, you know, you know, doctors will have to adapt. Yeah. And, and, and what, what, what was your, as you mentioned, you were reaching out to a lot of doctors at the start, right? What, what was your pitch to them? Was it like, uh, you know, you can get more uh, patient throughput, these are higher margin medication yeah. to dole out or, yeah. I, I'm just wondering what, what is that pitch to the, to the doctor, right? What's the attraction for them? Yeah, I, I think for us is 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 a is a, a number of folds. I, I think first of which is the pitch is essentially like telemedicine is is we understand that we started doing COVID as well, right? So you know, like most doctors were, you know, some of them they're working from home, some in their clinics, but you know, I mean, there was limited patients that can go because it was. Yeah. So for us, is is that flexibility of you can get more patients through a digital medium, right? Number mm-hmm. two is <clears throat> so for us is um. On top of that, obviously, um, actually our patients, our, our doctors only get paid per consult. They don't get paid. They don't take a cut from the medication. We we do this because we want to ensure that the incentives are aligned with the patient, right? So that, you know, it's, it's very clear that the doctor's not trying to upsell you. They have no benefit from the medicine at all. Um, You know, I mean, it's very, very clear cut, right? I mean, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's break, a good good cut yeah, yeah. right you know it's a no-brainer yeah. like you know it just <laughs> just and so for us is you know we, we believe we can give them the volume and you know on a per hourly basis it will be a lot more um to tech to to better design it can be a lot more efficient lah, right so you know normal mm-hmm. case take 15 20 minutes you know in this case we can sort of reduce and you can you know you can earn you can earn a lot more and obviously still provide quality healthcare, right purely because it's tech enabled better design um so that's how i pitch them and you know, we, we had doctors who believed and, you know, and, and I would say that Noah's not the first telemed platform, right? So, yeah. but we are the first who, who specialize and, you know, we sort of changed mm. the way, like, I would say, I'll call like wave one telemedicine platforms are generally like, you know, CGP, but now video form, right? But the conditions we treat, you know, I think even with video form, it doesn't solve it, right? Because <laughs> you still need to go through the whole thing, right? So what we had to do is we sort of have to relook at the entire service model and then kind of build it up from ground up. So we actually have a, every condition which has a specific evaluation form, mm-hmm. right? So for us, it's sort of, it's mm-hmm. false, it's, it acts as a triage, right? So imagine you answer this 30, 40 question form, right? We actually ask you more questions than what a GP would usually ask you. It's more standardized. The doctors can read it before the actual consultation, and then by the time it comes to you, the whole consultation is a lot more comfortable, right? As men, like you, you no longer have to answer questions about erections because you answer it through a form, which oftentimes yeah, yeah. will elicit even more honest replies, right? 
right? Of course, the answer to a firm person, I mean, there's no shame, right? I mean, just form you stick, like, you know, like MCQ, <laughs> your whole life is done <laughs> yeah. exams, right? And then for the doctor side, they're happy because it's like, honest, mm. no bullshit, they don't need filter, all the answers are there. You know, it's much faster for them to diagnose. And then the whole concept, they're sharing you about how the medicine works, right? Rather than trying to diagnose you. Right, yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's faster for the doctor, it's more comprehensive, you know, patients feel a lot more comfortable. It takes just a lot more boxes that way. And, you know, yeah, so doctors were like, of course. <laughs> and as you mentioned, right, you, you founded the company during the circuit breaker, right? Yeah. Was that, was that like, you know, you just had the idea during that period, so let's do it now. And also, second part of the question is, uh, I guess, as you mentioned, COVID has been a huge tailwind for telemedicine, right? But... Were there any like, uh, you know, COVID-specific challenges and other tailwinds that you experienced trying to launch the business during that very chaotic period? Yeah. No, so my, my ordeal <laughs> happened during Chinese New Year. Ma. So it's during like February period, right? Um, and then, you know, I, I had checked with my friends of like towards April um, and that's sort of like the idea that, you know, we kind of kick-started. It just, uh, it just so happened. Um, it wasn't intentional. Um. The, the second part is, I, I think for us, you know, it, maybe COVID has sort of shaped the way that we we run our company from from day one. Um, mm. We actually are 100% remote. I have a team across five countries. Um, oh. I We don't have offices. I have not met some of my employees <laughs> in person ever. <laughs> I don't know how tall they are. I don't know, like, under, <laughs> under here, like, I have no idea, <laughs> you know? Like, it's just, <laughs> like, um so... So I, I guess for us it was maybe it was just a bit more millennial way of working was okay actually. Yeah. Um, um and and I, I love it actually, right? I don't need to travel, I wake up next moment the meeting start and that's the way that I could run the company from day one. So there are, I would say there's any like COVID specific um challenges that we face early on. I think um we have just been one of the few that has been fortunate enough where COVID has actually helped accelerate um sort of the industry that we were in. Um, but in terms of working challenges, I mean, we, we now had an office to begin with, so it was no challenge mm-hmm. in terms of like how to handle, <laughs> we, we save even more from rental yeah, and yeah. HR costs and all that stuff. So yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so which geographies are y'all serving today? Is it only Singapore or other Asian nations? Currently, currently only Singapore, um, but we'll, we'll soon expand over the course of this year, next year, to, to, to APEC. Yeah. Nice. Actually, I want to ask, how big is your team right now? Kind of curious about that. We have about um, 19 people. Um, wow. Yeah, we have, we have I, I think, about 15 full-timers. And, you know, we have uh, four that's, you know, helping us on a part-time basis. Yeah. Wow, wow. Oh, I didn't know it was so wow. big already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, yeah. You, you guys just started last year, less than a year ago. Wait. Yeah, yeah I one mean, year ago. We, 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 we have been fortunate enough. I think the, the, mm-hmm. the team has worked very hard so, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to really accelerate and grow. So, you know, for us, actually with two brands now, right, um, knowing so we, I think we need... The, I mean, the thesis for us has always been a single core team of designers, developers, product people to power multiple specialized healthcare brands, right? Um, so that's always been the thesis, um, you know, and... And, and yeah, so we, we do need a sizable team that we're handling, male and female as well. Mm. Definitely, definitely. Mm. And, and, and as you, when, when you started, right, you mainly started with erectile dysfunction. That was your primary focus. And then I think you added like PE and uh, hair loss. 
So how, how, how actually do you decide, you know, which to start with and then which to add as you go along, right? Because there's, there's a whole array of different men's health categories that people face today. And I'm sure there's some decision-making process, especially since you're like very experienced in this uh, design and user experience type of things, right? So what's your yeah, thought I- process around that? I think for us is we we we've known I'll say we know first we know um the the goal is always to be to tackle the stigmatized conditions in the early days, right? I mean we we felt that that was a that's what we're essentially we're trying to solve um that's what we're still trying to solve, right? Um and so we said ED PE was next it was very clear you know, we actually launched hair loss before PE, um you know hair loss was you know for my friends experience it was very clear <laughs> that. It was it was not as good, so we wanted to solve that quick. You know, he was very passionate. Like, oh, you all need to solve this. You know, <laughs> this is important, <laughs> right? Um, um, then we launched PE because it was very clear. So, um, you know, even though with PE we had doctors saying that you know they didn't really see much, but we felt that there's there's some disparity lah. Um, self some self selection bias there. Um, you know, we did PE. Um, after that we actually tackled mental health. I think from actually from day one, mm. um. For me personally, I felt that if you talk about the most stigmatized conditions in in healthcare, it's, it has to be mental health in Asia, right? That's the most, like, least understood, you know, uh, that's the one that's most stigmatized, the least, yeah. the, the, the people that, you know, the condition that most men don't talk about, especially, um, which is why actually, right from the very early days, we actually partnered with SOS. Actually, uh, where we chose to not charge consultation in the early days, we, you know, we encouraged all our members to donate. Um, use that fee and, and, and donate too because like male, male suicide is actually the highest like in last year mm-hmm. like in terms of compared to f- more men die of suicide than women in Singapore right but that's oh. something that men don't talk about because there's always this machismo as well so we, we really wanted to kind of tackle that with SOS um, which is why we partnered I mean we partnered them for months now right we wanted to you know continue to to, to kind of support them in, in their endeavours um so that's always been how we kind of filter. Um, obviously, we also look at certain things like, you know, TAM, like, you know, how big is this issue, you know, can we, but beyond that, it's also like, can we effectively solve this or treat these conditions through telemedicine, right? Because there are some yeah, conditions yeah. that we want to treat, but sometimes you just, it's just not effective, right, through telemedicine. Sometimes you need um, that face-to-face. Sometimes, like, you need blood tests, right? Or sometimes where it's a bit more, troublesome logistically to actually solve it so there are some of the filters i think ultimately is is doing right and well by the patients and everything come after that right um i think that's sort of the thing i know it sounds very like but then you know i think as, especially we're gonna look that we are in a healthcare service right we're a yeah, medical yeah. service we're just not a regular business and i think you know so for us i think we owe it to the patients also to kind of put this extra filter and lens on mm. right um and think on their behalf right and yeah, I think for us, we're not here just to make a quick buck. Like, if you make a quick buck, like, like all of us do a pay cut to start Noah and join Noah, right? So, you know, like, we want to take a pay cut, like, we want to make money, we want to join a startup anyway. Um, so for us, it's, you know, doing well, right? And I always joke, like, we are so future-proofing ourselves, right? Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and with Zoe, for, for us, is you know, like, my co-founder, Ethel, she, she's passionate about health, and, and it's just early days, it's like, okay, I'll just, like, not everyone know this, but, about 80% of the team are no female females, 
right? <laughs> so like the people who write the Noah ads, director, <laughs> <not off you. laughs> right? So, you know when we started Zoe, we were like, hey, what are the conditions that you guys are most concerned about that you guys struggle with the most, right? And you know that that is currently not being solved well. And then the, we had this whole list, and then we just like start tackling, taking them off one by one. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. And actually, I, I'm just curious as you talk about the the marketing of uh, this type of uh, category of products, right? How do you guys think about it, right? Because it's not just, you know, putting your brand out there and telling people what you do, right? There's, there's a certain nuance to, to talking about mm-hmm. these kinds of topics. How do you position it and stuff like that? How, how do you think about that? Yeah, yeah I, I think when you look at healthcare advertising generally, um, or rather telemedicine, I think actually when we first started, like we didn't even look at what people were doing. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, I, I would say I didn't really care. I think what we were more concerned about is, you know, I think our, as for me, when we wrote our first few ads is, you know, this is our company, right? We are launching our product, like we can choose the voice, we can choose the tone of, tone of voice, however we like it. And for me, like if people who know me, I like joke around, I, you know, I, I think actually this kind of conditions, I think humor works better than being yeah, super yeah. around. Right, so from our first ad, it's uh, I'm not sure if people know it, but the one the second ad that we ever made was "Don't hang your head in shame," and then the shame word drooped down, and it just why not, right? Very like why sure. not? The the mm-hmm. question that I asked in early is just like why not? Who's going to stop us now? Like there's no client that we're gonna like kind of <laughs> ask yeah. for permission. There's no bosses. It's like this is our time you know we want to do what we want you know if it doesn't work it's on us anyway so yeah, like yeah. that's just why not so i think people love it right i mean like the, the feedback generally like we trend on reddit i think people are like okay it's a breath of fresh air like, and and we weren't trying to be like anyone else um and and i think over time then when people say it's like oh it's so different from what other healthcare people are doing they be like mm. oh yeah i mean people are so advertising then we started to see then we kind of get a sense okay what was it out there like you know um and and yeah, I mean it's true. Like oftentimes it's quite quite sterile. Um, you know, it's it's. But for us, it, we did it not just to stand out, but we did it because like it was like, this is who we are. This is how we you know we want to talk about this sort of stuff. And I mean ultimately in a startup you bear the responsibility. So if it feels I'd rather feel my way than you know, like, <laughs> right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> right. You know, I noticed like on your on your website that the chatbot, yeah. it's your name and your photo. Yeah. yeah. Was that intentional? Um, Yes, cool. I mean it's intentional because um obviously I wanted something more personal, right? Um, so I wanted so I just like why oh, not just just put my face on? I mean then Zoe have just put my Ethel's face there. Um, we just wanted to be <laughs> more personal la, You know we, um we we didn't want to be like actually I put a yeti at the start, but oh. like, most most men will find it a bit weird like why got a yeti there? You know like <laughs> <laughs> random animal. <laughs> so Singapore man at least I like, still be more practical. They're like okay it's like. Who's this strong? <laughs> right, and but in the early days, like I knew like our first one thousand, two thousand customers by name. They know me. They have my personal mm-hmm. number. Sometimes they still WhatsApp me. Wow. Right, so wow. yeah, yeah. I mean, like I, I know all of them. Like I see their orders still coming in. I was like, oh yes, I call them sometimes. How are you doing? So I think like I think for them, it's it's just a face that they are familiar with, also a name that mm-hmm. you know, they're familiar with. So yeah, we're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and actually, actually, one, one thing I love about your brand, as you mentioned, right, you guys have a lot of personality, it shines through the brand, shines through the advertising. So I think when we were talking, one of our earlier guests was, uh, I think, uh, managing director of an uh, independent marketing agency, right? So he was, they are, they are, how they work is they, they go about helping brands to 
humanize and, and have a personality, right? So mm. I'm just curious what, what was your thinking behind that, right? Because you guys want to have your own brand, like very your brand is very strong, right? Very personable. But at the same time, like people don't want or these are conditions that people don't want to be so associated with, right? Like even when you're packaging, it comes very plain and uh you know, mm. like people, so that people don't know what's inside and yeah, so so how 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 do you work through that 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 tension, right? I, I'm not sure how to ask this question, but yeah, it's just these two different things coming yeah, together. I, yeah. I, I think for, for Noah we sort of live in this in this dichotomy, right rightly that you said where um the good and the bad is if you if you do poorly, people don't really complain about you online because you know it's unless yeah, it's anonymous. Yeah. But 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 more often than not, you know, um when we do very well you also don't really hear a lot of people lah, right? Mm. Um, you know, no one's gonna shout from the rooftop and be like, "Amazing ED experience!" You know, Great like, product, <laughs> right? Like you, you get right. But I, I think what what we have found over time, actually, with a lot of our patients, um, I think um, who have trusted us and been with us for months and months and months, even some of our patients, like I think our, our retention has been amazing and. People who invest, I think they trust us and, you know, we constantly stay. And they've been more willing to share with their friends. They've been more willing to sometimes mm-hmm. even participate in, like, media interviews, but obviously anonymous, mm-hmm. but they've been willing to share their experience about Noah, right? And then when you see, like, our reviews, you know, we have so many, like, we have hundreds of, like, reviews, you know, that I think people are willing to sometimes, like, put their name or even put their, like, reviews out and be like, okay, like, this is great. Like, more people need to know. But there's obviously still this barrier where, you know, are they going to be like, up <laughs> on TV and share about you? <laughs> no, not happening, right? You know, so I, I think that's something that we have to live with. That's something that, you know, we, we have to be okay la, and be like, that, that is just the nature of our, our, our business. With Zoe, it's slightly different, right? With Zoe, you know, mm. there's, there's no, not really so much shame. I think men's health conditions, men generally judge yourself. Women's health conditions, people generally judge you, right? It's not so much that that you are judging yourself. So, it's always a lot different. Like, you know, with Noah, like, I mean, IG, like, let's say, like, just for example, we took, like, 10 months to hit 1,000 followers on Instagram for Zoe. Uh, for Noah. In Zoe, like, one month, we hit 1,000, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, it's just, just yeah. like, in terms of, right, it's just, it's just the way it is, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think women are just mm. more open, you know, we have people, oh, you know, here's my birth control coming, you know, like, yeah, and we didn't even ask for them. And women are just more open to sharing. I mean, there's no shame in birth control, you know, that if you're taking birth control, there's no shame that you're taking, you know, especially with mental health as well, you know. Mm. Like, I think more and more women or people in general are open to like, sharing about their struggles. So, mm. you know, whereas I think with ED, I mean, ideal is no shame, but from now until then, you know, I think we yeah, need so to... It's a journey, yeah. Yeah, it's a journey. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also curious about your own personal journey, like so far building Noah. Like, what would you say was the sort of like the highest point for you so far? The the highest point, I think, has been building uh, a really really great team. Um, I I think, um, I I think, f- I'll just be honest. Like when we first hit like one hundred k in sales, I didn't know, like you know, like, I didn't <laughs> know like it, it it was just like a. Oh wow, <laughs> that's great! <laughs> and then I shared the team. The team was just like, "Oh wow, okay, back to work." <laughs> you know, like, Let's go, right? I mean, I'll, I'll, because our goal is, it's, it's not because like it's not a big deal, but it's mm-hmm. we know that the end state that we want to achieve, the vision that we have, is just a lot bigger, right? We mm-hmm. essentially want to change the future of how men access healthcare, 
right, and to get all their needs, right. So it's there's still a lot more work to be done. ED is really just the start, right. And so for us is you know I, I'll say one of the high points is you know when we launched Zoe is step two of the vision that we had from day one coming to pass, right? Where we want to have multiple brands. Um, but I would say really high point is hiring well. I think anyone who have hired will know the pain of hiring and when you get your first superstar who's coming in after you've interviewed like 60 people and you finally found the one, right? Um, I think there's no greater joy than that. <laughs> like, right, and, and then having to build, a, you know, I think 15 is still quite small given, you know, the scale that we operate, but having built a really small team of A plus players and you know, I think that is for me that's top. Like mm. it's just amazing. Like why would people choose to quit really famous agencies and join us? Really like yeah, you know yeah. and it's just amazing like like yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and just just to build on that question, what is your philosophy on, you know, hiring, right? Like what what are you looking for and and who are the kind of people you look to be part of? Uh, you know, what what to you would you perceive as like you know a 10 year 20 year journey of building noah right to to the size you want it to be yeah. right so I, I think for for me the way i view it is um they want i, I say this to everyone um you know where, rightly or wrongly but i think for me i, I realize um that it's very important to be candid about what it's like joining noah and zoe um rather than you know like i think sometimes when you try to sell something too rosy and they come in it's completely different everyone likes the idea of a startup but not everyone likes working in a startup the reality of working stuff. Yeah. That's the yeah, truth. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, like when you're in business school, everyone, like, I'll be investment banker, I'll be investment banker. But do you want to work 20 hours a day? No, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to like, like, it's not possible, right? You know, like it's just it's just the reality and expectations is very different. So for me, I realized that it's better to be candid up front. I think mm. when you fire your first person, you realize very quickly what needs to change in the hiring process, right? Um and and so for me, I, I think it's very clear to for me that my philosophy there's easier places to work at. Right. I, I think that the way that I approach the team is that um I, I hire A plus players. I wanna at least I want to hire A plus players and A plus players aren't just great at what they do, right? But they are also deserving of freedom. Right. Um for us we we don't track um we actually have unlimited vacation. Not not just because it's like a cool or hip thing, it's because purely I don't track the hours. Right. I, I, I trust that you manage your time well. And especially in a very early stage startup, I don't have time to micromanage you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. We want to hire people who come in and from day one they know what to do. Right. I don't we don't have the bandwidth right now to like train and guide people. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. because everyone is, you know, everyone is in your role. I, I, I don't see it as a family, I, I see it as a team. Right. So the the role is, you know, Ronaldo want to play with some random, you know. Like yeah, football, yeah. you know, like <laughs> you want to play with really A A plus players. So I feel that my job as the founder, right, is to hire A plus players. Right, I think Steve Jobs has spoken a lot, but I mean, I I read a lot about, and you know, it, it's this whole thing of, I think A plus players. Uh, on top of that, also, um, is that, I I think. In in the early days, we experimented with this, where if you know you hire a lot of Bs and Cs, oftentimes you have this really massive group, right? But you know, a small team of A plus players can you know run circles around a large team of Bs and Cs, right? And oftentimes, what you do realize is A plus players that like we have multiple of that, like Priscilla, designer, just top top, right? I mean, they're they're confident in what they do, and and you know they are not afraid to hire people as good as them or even better. Whereas when sometimes you hire people who are Bs or Cs, they are more insecure. And then they'll start hiring people louder than them, and then like it just you get just over time it's just a spiral, right? So so I, I think in in general 
you know, my, my thing is hire really good people, we try to keep the talent density high. I think a good workplace is not ping pong and free lunches. I think it's having amazing colleagues to work with, right? Coming into work, you know that you're working with people who inspire you and challenge you. And then it's, it's my job to make sure I have assembled that team of people and allow them to do their best mm. work. Sounds challenging. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it is, I mean, I'm not going to lie, it is intense, right? I mean, you, you manage your thing. Um, when my first hire came in, she's like, oh, I have my birthday, you know, like, can I, can I take leave? I was like, why you ask me? Just take, right? You know the deadlines, you have your thing, you manage your own time. And she, she managed her own time, she took three days off within the first month. Like, I'm okay, like, you know, just go, right? And, but she delivered her work well and before even that, before the time. And that's what I think well, A plus really does, right? I mean, that's that. You manage your own time. You don't need me to kind of go there. And, and I don't have time. Right? Like, I think in the start, I said, you don't have time. You don't have time to be like, you know, hey, you know, where's your work? Hey, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. not for me. <laughs> yeah. Are there, are there challenges that come with managing an A star team? Like, like super capable and talented people? Um... I think Peru. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. No, but I, I think for us, we, <laughs> I think we, 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 we are. I think so, we we have been fortunate that that people who come in, you know, for us, um, generally think alike. They they believe in the vision, especially in healthcare, right? What we do. Um, I don't think so far ego has that. I think um, we are, we all recognize that. In a startup, in the, especially in the early days, the best ideas have to win, right? Not because it's a very nice thing that people have repeated on LinkedIn all the time, but it's because <laughs> that's truly the case, right? Like, you know, um, why, that's why this is why I love consumer businesses, right? Like, literally, mm-hmm. in a consumer business, consumers literally give you the money, right? If you like what you're selling, thumbs up, you got my mm-hmm. money, next day, we got revenue, we can come to work, right? Like, thumbs down, that's it, right? <laughs> so, you know, I, I think for us, it's very clear that the best, and, and, I think we've. I, I think it's very clear, and I, I think we've heard well enough that people will be like, "Be sure, like, we'll come to at least ask and be like, okay, not just because I say this, you know, the founder has said this, you know, like this has to be the way, but you know, they are not afraid to push back also. So, so I think it's it's creating that, but I think in the in the early days, it's also like a lot of um, like I would say there's there's a lot of inefficiencies, right? I think in the startup when you're actually in high growth, you have to suffer a lot of inefficiencies, right? operationally mm-hmm. suffer in the work processes wise and that's the thing about startups that a lot of people actually don't really recognize until they get in right because maybe sometimes they join from mnc from an agency and the processes the way they work but in the start it's, mm-hmm. it's chaos right like yeah, um yeah. whenever we introduce someone and then we introduce them to our doctors some, some of our doctors will be like welcome to the jungle right because <laughs> it's like you know, <laughs> <laughs> wow and, and that's the truth sometimes i mean we, we are working ways, we have become more efficient in certain ways, but you know, like last time, it's just like, I mean, we all use WhatsApp last time, I'm just being honest, last time we just use WhatsApp, and we just, mm. everything's flying right everywhere, you know, like now obviously we have, you know, better project management tools, we, we kind of get off that, but, you know, it's, it's just different work processes that we have to go, so I, I think, mm. even up to now, it's, it's the inefficiencies, right, and I think for us also is, when you have a very, uh, has a team that's super high achieving, who, you know, you give them a target, you know, I want to smash it, I want to hit it, then it's learning to recognize that even for myself, it's it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, right? That we're not building it in just for the next one year, two years. We're building it for four years, five years, six years, ten years, right? So it's how do you manage burnout, right? How do you manage? How do you enable a team to consistently perform and deliver again and again well, right? Um, 
rather than like short sprints and then everyone just going like, oh, freak, I, I'm like gone. Like, I just can't, I won't quit, you know? And then, what's the point? Right? What's the point? Spend so much time hiring well and then they're just gone in like three months. <laughs> right? One sprint cycle, bye-bye. <laughs> like, I'm out. Right? I mean, one sprint cycle is chocolate, but you know, like, yeah. So, so that's sort of that. That's sort of that thing. I think that's something that we are learning as well. So, so have, have you guys, how's your funding status like? Were you like, how, how did the whole thing, you know, get off the ground, right? Like, there had to be a certain amount of uh, money to, to get it started. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we did raise funds. Um, mm-hmm. we, we raised our pre-seed, we raised our seed. Um, we just don't disclose how much we raised. Mm-hmm. Um, there's enough runway, I would say. We won't be needing any funds for the time being. Um, but, but I think the, in, the, in the early days, we, we got investors. I mean, because I started my first startup, you know, much younger. Yeah. So we sort of, I sort of had that network and I had people who believed in me and who knew me. So a lot of them were, they weren't really family and friends. Uh, they're all more like mentors and people who, you know, I worked with before were investing in the past that kind of came in the early round. Mm-hmm. Um, we were later, we were seed. For us, you know, I mean, with every startup, you always have this choice. Do I go with VCs? Do I go with, you know, I think with the general market right now, liquidity is quite high. So, you know, I think there's a lot of funding options and even more so now than ever before that as a startup, you have a range of options, not just equity, but you have debt, right? Um, you know, venture debt and, and a whole range of them. And and for us, I think we we looked at the options and, you know, for us, we wanted to choose strategic investors, um, investors who could, who have done it before, who could, because we do recognize that we are young founders as well. And we wanted people who could really show us the way, right? Who are not just giving money, you know, um, but also gave us the freedom, the autonomy. But, you know, um, we wanted people who, who could really kind of have done that, who have, you know, sold companies before, who have gone through the whole cycle, life cycle of a company, right? And that's that's who we who we chose to work with, um, who partnered with us. So we were very incredibly lucky. Um, plus, I'm based in Australia, so we had networks across Singapore and Australia who we could rely on. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah, as you mentioned, right, you are, you are based in Australia. So, so what made you decide to start the company in Singapore instead, you know, of exploring like the Australian market? Um, because Singapore is where I'm from, Singapore's home. Um, if I'm going to spend the next five years, 10 years of my life dedicating to the problem, the first area that I want to solve is for my, for my people, right? I mean, it's, it's for my, my people in my home, like, all right, that's, that's the people that I care the most about not like you know what I mean like um I love Australia like in terms of like you know but I, I think in terms of where the heart is where the connection is is still Singaporeans and and these are the people that I know the the most about like the most you know I know well and you know that's kind of it was it's very clear like, I didn't think about it like it was just <laughs> like I had to do it yeah yeah and 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 maybe just to just to zoom out a bit like in terms of uh. I mean, you've built Noah, now you've added Zoe, but, mm. you know, if looking five to 10 years down the road, you know, what, what is your, you know, overarching dream for this company that you're building, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, um, we, we're calling ordinary folk, right? So it's, it's mm-hmm. this, um, you know, and Noah and Zoe's brunch and uh, ordinary folk, right? And, and for us, you know, the, the vision is really to, to change the excess of health, healthcare, Right. Um. To build specialized healthcare brands that you know relate to people that solve core issues for men, for women, for, for a range of conditions. So over the five, ten years, I think that's that's what we're trying to build. Right. Um. 
yeah, if which is this this kind of like hub or house of multiple specialized healthcare brands. Yeah. And I at least from looking at your website, I see there's a lot of educational content and stuff like that. Do you see like that as a crucial part of the process, right? Like even for most men, they're also not aware of the conditions and these kinds of things. So yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, I mean, content is always long tail. Um, and for us, we, we see content as a key pillar, um, you know, over the next one year, two years, because like a lot of men, like, you know, especially I just like even zoom out, right? Not even men's, men's condition. Like, let's say you go to a GP. Do you know what medicine you take after you see the doctor? <laughs> you, you don't, right? The doctor say take this one pill a day, you just take it one pill a day, right? That's you right. don't really know, right? So, yeah. like, then you talk about conditions that really, like, you know, impacts them for a long period of time. I think it's very important that you you know it well, right? And that you are informed of your decision, right? Um, And that you, yeah, and then that you are familiarized yourself with the various treatment options. Right, because with ED itself, it's not just one medicine. You have five different medicines, six different medicines, and different treatment methods, right? You have to understand that, uh, in actually with our body, it's not often in isolation, right? Mm-hmm. Like ED is often an early warning sign of heart disease, right? So we actually had someone came to us with ED. We actually refer them out, you know, to special areas that they have wow. heart condition, right? So you know, it's like it's like everything's in sync, right? Your mind, your body, which is why we want to be a holistic health platform because mm-hmm. it's not just ED you're treating, it's, it's not just sexual health, it's the whole body. And same with women's health, right? So so for us, it's education plays a part where it en- enables people to be like, okay, yeah, I start to understand that, right? Like, you know, I think with ED itself, not even people know that there's, every time I tell people there's 51.3%, oh man, people are like, wow, I didn't even know that. Right? I mean, like, <laughs> you know? That's like, that's like a flip of a coin, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And, and the thing is, the, the more you realize that, hey, it's actually very prevalent, like, you start to recognize that, hey, actually it's not, nothing to really to be ashamed of. It just happens. It's just a health mm-hmm. thing, right? It's not a sex thing. It's not your manhood thing. It's just a health thing. The sooner men recognizes that, the more they'll be like, okay, like, I think I can, I, I'm okay to seek treatment, right? Well, because when you start thinking of it as a sex thing, you start thinking of it, you know, then you start thinking of like, oh, I lose my hair. You're going down this whole spiral. Right, so I think education, yeah. you know, all this content helps to kind of shift the mindset and reframe the problem. Ultimately, it's still a health condition. Yeah. Mm. Um, actually, I want to like, go on a higher level, right? Just now we were having a lot of discussion on telemedicine. And then this question popped on my head is, would telemedicine actually commoditize doctors and their expertise? Because now you don't actually see a doctor. You, you're not really seeing this like expert in front of you and then you're placing all the trust on him or her. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't think so. I think it depends how the telemedicine platform is set up, right? They are, they are still going to have clinics that have telemedicine. Then you go to, you know, specialists, you know, telemedicine is just a modality ultimately, right? It's, it's just a mode of in which to see a doctor, right? I think ultimately it's the platform or the marketplace of doctors, for example, that then creates that or commoditize that. I think ultimately the way that I view telemedicine is just, it's just a mode, right? It's just a mm-hmm. modality. It's just a medium in which... Right, it's like will video call commoditize, you know, like I don't think so, right? It's just like you know, it just it's just technology, right? Where where it will be interesting to see is over the next three years, five years, you see different types of telemedicine platforms coming up, right? So from you know, GPs like wave one, which is just you know, video call to you know now I'll say like wave two, you have more specialized, right, for different conditions. So even next time you have a marketplace, right? You know, who knows, right? There's so many things that might come out because it's just a medium in which you Maybe the question is a bit more far-reaching, but 
I'm just curious, like, as you mentioned, you have this uh, goal of, you know, building ordinary, ordinary folk as a full stack company, you know, serving patients of all genders and for different kinds of uh, categories of health conditions, right? Uh, between, I guess, now and that future goal, right? What, what do you think is like the biggest point of friction uh, preventing you from here to where you want to get? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there's just so much, right? I mean, like when you go from a startup, you know, from finding product market fit, now you talk about you want to go move, we're moving to a scale up. I think, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, that there's just, I mean, every day there's something new. Every day there's, um, <laughs> I, I think that, that's, you know, that's the amazing about a startup, right? I mean, I think my team knows by now the backlog is just never ending, always adding, right? Um, It, it just, you know, it just, like it just it's crazy and I, I think some of the key challenges will always be scaling the team that's that's something that is always on top of my mind um you know obviously there are challenges i think for us the because we we built the tech well i don't think so much when we're expanding i don't think so much is so much of a tech issue i think it's more of a regulatory issue as we're expanding in different countries so i think that's something that we look at as well um you know and 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 for us is is keeping that i i think overall i think and it sounds the most philosophical, but it's, it's not believing in your own bullshit, right? Like, I think when you start to believe in that over time, then you start to sh- make a lot of structural mistakes. You start to compound your mistakes, right? And, you know, when people say, you're amazing, you know, all that, you know, for me, like, I, I just, you know, it's keeping your, you know, your feet on the ground and be like, okay, like, I'm just going to keep, right? And for, for us, it's talking to our patients. It's, you know, it's for me, like, it's, it's, it's calling them, still doing customers. Everyone on my team, from designers to copywriters, to developers, they do customer support. Right, they do customer support because I don't care. Like early days, you need to know who you're building for. You need to know why you're doing this. Like, right, it keeps you like, yeah. So, um, I I think it's, it's keeping keeping hold of that. And I hope one day when I one year later when I listen to this, I'll remind myself of this again. Also, like you know, where, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And 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 yeah, and be be you know be be focused in terms of who why we're doing this ultimately because mm. sometimes it's so easy to get lost on like you know and there's a lot of fluff there's a lot of bs around that you know valuation is is, is the ego trip all the time right um um you know and ultimately it's it's, it's knowing what are the true key metrics what what is important um you know to what are the things that are you know that are truly important yeah yeah, yeah. And, and 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 also i guess today looking looking at our business i think definitely you are you want to expand beyond singapore right to the other to other neighboring nations where I guess the views on these kinds of topics can be actually even more stigmatized or it's a much more or the culture is a much more close cultures, right? How yeah. Do you have any maybe maybe you haven't really gone into like your strategies of how to enter these markets, but but any early thoughts of how to tackle this uh maybe a bigger hurdle in these new markets? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll say that it's like still early days. I think now we, we do have a plan internally. I think we have thought mm-hmm. about it um, to some extent, but I think our focus is squarely on Singapore. Given that we just launched Zoe like one and a half months ago, two, and <laughs> Zoe's like, no one's like an infant, right? Zoe, I mean, yeah, yeah. no, I mean, Zoe's fetus, I mean, fetus. like a baby. So for us, you know, the, the, a lot of our focus is still in Singapore, at least this year, which is let's mm-hmm. get Zoe up and running up to speed mm-hmm. as well. Obviously, taking a lot of 
the learnings that we learned from Noah and applying it to accelerate that growth. Um, but at the same time, you know, Noah, we are s- every day is still learning, right? I mean, like, um, every day we're trying something new we've never done it before we're like oh <laughs> like oh that's how it's done you know <laughs> like, so you know so i, I think really um cool. the, the time the time will come i mean where we put a lot more thought into international expansion probably towards later half of the year um but it's just just not now yet so i can't really give you an answer right now so absolutely yeah sure sure <laughs> i was thinking it's really cool because right now i'm also building my own startup right then um like really, it's never ending. It's always adding. Yeah. And then half the time, okay, like 99% of the time, I don't know what I'm doing. So, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of cool to hear that um, at least yeah. there are people sharing the same feeling as me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I mean, probably I'll add, I'm going to quote Steve Jobs again, but like, you know, it's, it's not, not, not just about saying yes to one thing, saying no to all the other things, right? Um, and, Right and and sometimes it's you know I am last time I read it I was like oh what a cool statement but now I've live I'm living through it I'm like okay this like that guy is smart right like it's like you know like it's his biography yeah yeah and thank you for saying yes, yes to this then oh. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right so so it's 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 about prioritization is is about you know like ruthlessly prioritizing it's it's not just the benefit of doing something sometimes it's also about the cost of doing something as well which i think i i didn't realize in the early days but starting mm. to realize now right yeah so i guess you you guys also started your own uh podcast right like ordinary folk podcast yeah uh yeah curious what's what's the thinking behind that is it part of your educational push and probably what what is the you know most listened to episode right because i guess the topics are all very Interesting. Uh, interesting, as uh, <laughs> I, I guess. Exciting. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, our, our first podcast. Um, let, I can't remember. Wait, let me give me one second. Um, let me see the title. I mean, our first podcast we we covered. Um, I think one of the first was still like one of the most listened to was still the first, which is uh, oh yeah, we call it the bananas and the sex paradox, right? So, um, you know that was about ED, but that was also about the sex paradox, right? So sex paradox essentially in summary is just like you think you have ED, but you don't. But then actually the more you think about it, then the then now you have it, right? You know because it's like it's mental, right? You know and then and for for you to have erections, it's not just your body's mind and body. Mm. So, um, that's obviously then uh, we cover everything from. From that to only fans to you know like oh, we interviewed we interviewed the top the one of the top five um um gay porn stars in the world um uh yeah we touched on adultery we 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 had we had yeah it's it's part of our our thing where we felt that we're in this taboo space you know we mm-hmm. want to shine a light on topics that oftentimes taboo mm-hmm. um and we felt that we we're uniquely positioned as a healthcare provider also to touch on this stuff that technically sometimes a lot more medical right um so with the adultery one we obviously we had someone who's who has been on both sides of the coin i mean cheated on and been cheated on and then we got a psychologist to come in to kind of share about you know relationships we kind of talk about given from the more medical point of view as well um so for us we try to blend that um you know to kind of yeah so that's sort of why we do it. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fun. Cool. It's fun. It's fun. Everyone should go and listen then, to it. And, and, and yeah, I guess uh, on, on to our closing questions. Uh I think one one thing I'm curious about is like, you know, previously, yeah, not sure about your your background before you f- started your first startup, but do you always find like you had this uh entrepreneurial drive within you, right? Like you wanted to do something of your own and stuff like that? Or, you know, did it just 
come one day like when you had an idea and stuff yeah yeah i think since young it was always important that i mean i've always been a bit more rebellious my brother is the i would say the typical asian older brother you know doctor he's become doctor <laughs> you, know, yeah. that kind of like, you know so for me it's always been like rebelling like you know like i mean since young it's like you no know, why do i have to conform you know and, and for me it was very important to own something to always have ownership you know to to deliver something um, which is why i always i think struggle sometimes with the idea of school like because it just feels a bit like this bubble where nothing i do here actually matters outside like you know like you know like so much right like spend so much time on this project who's gonna see like, yeah, no yeah. Care, right like so um so for me it's always that i always had this urge that i wanted to go out and you know like create something and bring something of value into the world right um and so that's always been that drive which is to create an impact to bring value to you know to to own something that actually like means something to people right i think for me i think the, a life well lived is a life that have truly impacted people Right. Um, and you know, I think entrepreneurship is is a way of doing that for me, right? Um, and and so since young, you know, the crowdfunding platform was you know it was a way to fuel people's dreams, right? I mean, like I was very young, like, oh, but then I guess like reality hit. <laughs> no one cares. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like I think you know with with this as well with healthcare, you know, it's also this before um Noah actually joined um a startup in Australia, so I tackled um it was, it's called it does end of life services mm. so um i'll show the product lead there um and we worked on cremations right wills wow. um you know estate administration so taboo topics that people often don't talk about but it's experienced by almost everyone once in their life right? hopefully once um only but you know at least once in their life so you know for me it's always not just about um doing something also at the end of the day i think at the start when i was younger it's just i want to do something but over time i realized that i I want to do something that I want to solve a problem that hasn't really been solved well or solved like haven't been done much right and oftentimes this taboo stuff um you know like the world already has Instagram how many more photo sharing apps you need right <laughs> like, you know so yeah. so so that's sort of been my mindset these days you know where you know I want to work on a problem that it, I think has high ceiling right um and hasn't really been done well or haven't really been done Did you like derive any learnings I guess your previous startup uh previous company that you worked at also had a it's a as you mentioned it's a taboo topic people don't really talk about it and here you come to another sort of you know less spoken about uh space as well yeah were there any like key lessons you have brought from there yeah i mean for sure i mean there were quite a lot i mean i was i was there for about eight months before i kind of like decided to really do it but um there was quite a lot of like I mean, there, there were, I mean, there, there are definitely similarities um, in terms of how to approach. I think some of these things, like, it's just sensitive in nature, right? So the way that you kind of run a business like that or the way that you communicate to someone like that, right? So for us, one of the things that we realized early days is, like, sometimes with conditions that are so, or, like, topics that are so sensitive, like, people might feel that tech solution is just very cold, almost inhumane, mm. right? So, you know, that's why in the early days, we were up front talking to customers, we were there, live customer support. It was these kind of things where, you know, we wanted to add the human element, right? Um, because ultimately, is what you're trying to do is build trust. What you're trying to do is convey trust. And when it's so digital all the time, sometimes it's very hard to do so, right? Um, so I think that was one of the main things. And, you know, that's something that, which is why I want the whole team to be there, you know, you kind of be talking about it, you know, there's, you kind of be talking to patients, men or women, and at the start, obviously a bit more uncomfortable, but, you know, over time, even like girls were doing, you know, 
talking to my hand, but he did. I said the guys you have to do with the birth control and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> it's fair, right? Um, yeah, and and so those sort of some of the things that you know I, I still instill in the team um, to this day. I feel like in some way you are helping to push gender equality when you, you know, like girls are talking about ED and then like guys are learning more about birth control. Yeah. <laughs> you are pushing for that. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone on the team now knows like a lot of medical <laughs> conditions about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah, before I ask my last question, I'm super curious, like actually how, how did you meet your uh, co-founders? Like were they also in Australia and or yeah, were you so, schooling together? Yeah, so I've one co-founder at all. So I've known her since I was like 18, poly, 17. So I've known her for a very long time. So for with with Noah, I think it was very clear that we wanted to do I didn't know Zoe. Um, you know, um we're gonna call it Zoe, but from day one we knew that we wanted to do a female health, not just a male health. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's getting her on board and you know, obviously she's really passionate about health and fitness. She's a spin instructor part time. Oh, you know, so okay. for her it's like obviously she's like fit, she's like much fitter, she, you know. You know so I'm getting fat, you know, time to work out. So, you know, for her, she's definitely very passionate and, and for her, she's been on birth control. When I share with her, and she's like, hey, you know, I've been on birth control like the longest time. She's mm-hmm. deeply passionate about the cause and, you know, like the challenges that women face. So it was very clear that let's work together and, you know, like let's do something. Like, and we know each other for so long, right? Like, you know, we call each other on our bullshit. So it was very clear that, like, I think it can work. <laughs> yeah. Amazing, amazing. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe just to close it up, uh, we, we end our, all our podcasts with this uh, closing question. But who who is someone, you know, besides outside of family that inspires you or who you look up to and, and why? Yeah. I, I think, um, I think that we, that we, there are generally two people. I think one of them is 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 one of my mentors and and in, in investor as well. Uh, Danny, private equity guy. I've known him since I was nineteen. You know, really guiding me, teaching me, you know, connecting me. Like really, kind of thing. He's been a true inspiration. Um, you know, but I think, yeah, and he's really helped me so much. Right. Um, wrote one of the first few checks in Noah as well. Not just because he can, but because, you know, he, he truly believed. Uh, even back then, I was 18, right? He just gave me, like, you know, a few thousand, yeah. like, go, go do this. Like, you know, I think these are, like, supporters that you have along the way. Mm-hmm. And even when it didn't work out, he's like, hey, it's okay. You know, like, you know, like, try oh. again, right? Do again. So I think that's someone that, you know, having that believer on your side and, you know, to really show you and guide you, like, you know. How, yeah. how did you meet, meet him in the first place? I was actually a pastor. <laughs> so oh, wow. He was like, oh, wow. you're doing business. This guy, know, I know this guy. So it's like, you know, I think y'all should meet. Then that's how I, I met him and 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 he's just been oh, just serendipity. Amazing. Yeah, yeah amazing. exactly. Amazing. And I think for someone who I've not met before, I'll say like Chamath. I think, look, like, oh, I, oh. right? <laughs> yeah. The guy is like, dude, he's like my Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it has to be Jamath. I mean, that that guy is just a legend, right? I um, yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, you, you see on LinkedIn, it's just so much bullshit, like all the time. You know, I think everyone just circle jerking each other off all the time on LinkedIn. But you know, like this guy, just like when he talks, he just cuts through all of that nonsense, right? Um, you know, something that he said in the very early days, um, of Facebook, he said like, you know, 
there's so much fluff about growth these days, right? But you know, at Facebook, which was the first growth team in the world, it's like all we did was test a bunch of shit, try a bunch of shit, and then just repeat that process, right? That, that as simple as that, right? Like, all it's like, you know, and it's something that, you know, at the end of the day, like, I tell my team, we just try a bunch of shit, that's right, you know, like, let's just do it, right? Like, you know, all this, like, fluff and bullshit, like, sometimes it just gets so easy to carry out and, like, you know, carry it away from all that, all that stuff. Um, And so for me, it's just like, that guy's a legend, like, I read all his stuff, I watch his shit, like, you know. You listen like, to the uh, All In podcast? Uh, other than that, no. <laughs> but but oh. all his old all his old videos, um, dude, I I watch. Uh, Steve Jobs, I watch a lot. I watch all keynotes on Steve Jobs. Um, uh, my first, I remember uh, with my first startup, I was I think nineteen when I pitched. I I met Keylog. Um, quite funny. Like we're connected. Danny connected me Keylog. I met Keylog. Um, then I watched Steve Jobs. So Steve Jobs, you know, back then when he had a Mac, right? He made a Mac. Right, and then he put this velvet cloth over the Mac. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Investors, right? Then he thought, thought he pulled away. So my first time was a crowdfunding platform. I brought in a freaking like 30-inch TV to Vertex. Right? Like freaking monitor. 30 wow. I go China, I bought a velvet cloth. <laughs> then I covered the thing, right? <laughs> the whole thing there. <laughs> then I pitched to Keylog. <laughs> he pitched, I pulled the thing away. <laughs> then he like, what the fuck? This <laughs> boy <laughs> just like, damn dramatic, right? <laughs> I mean, he didn't invest, but it was them yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sure I he mean, didn't he... forget about you, man. He's yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, he, he like let me down when I see like, oh, you're very early stage, you know, like we invest later stage, you know, like next time, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> I remember, like, Steve Jobs inspired, pulled a freaking velvet cloth. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. Number one salesman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing, amazing. Uh, yeah, awesome. I think that brings us to the end of our podcast. So, uh, thanks. Thanks for coming on, Sean. It was really, no you know, super cool to learn about your experience and, and that whole early stage startup startup uh, life. Yeah, so thanks, yeah. thanks for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Thanks. <laughs> if you like what you heard, please help us subscribe, rate and review. Let us know what you think and tell us who else you want on the pod. You can go to ricepeoplepodcast.com where you can find every episode of this podcast complete with transcripts and show notes. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week.